Welcome to the show. I'm James. I'm David. I'm Riley. And today we are discussing the 2004 independent film Primer. We'll laugh. We'll argue. We might get too confused, but at the end of the day, they're just movies. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I should have said I'm one of the Rileys. <laughs> oh. Blah, 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 blah. I'm the one covered in mold. There's another one going to show up to this table halfway through the episode. Uh, uh, I'm the Riley covered in fungus. <laughs> Next week, uh, we actually haven't decided right this moment as we record what we're going to do, but you just need to look in the description for what we're doing next week. Down yeah, below. You tell me, because I don't know. We're figuring it out. All right, David, give me your rating out of 10 for this <laughs> primer movie. Yeah, I'm going to give you my fun one this first. This $7,000 movie. You have multiple slogans? Film is supposed to be a medium, not tedium. There's a reason the montage was created. That's, That's my joke one. Uh, here's the real one. The point of sci-fi isn't just science itself, but to explore the infinite, wild, thematic, and ethical questions that technology can pose. Primer instead all its time run. Primer instead spends all its runtime having two insipid nun nicks drone incessantly about frivolous details. <laughs> like hey, this podcast. But yeah. at least it's done with the enthusiasm of a freshman boring people at a college party with the surfage knowledge they gained reading three Wikipedia articles. He was an engineer for a while. Uh, this movie is cool. I'm super glad it exists. And I feel bad a little bit like a bully punching down yeah, at a $7,000 yeah, movie. Yeah, you're bullying these people. But I... Uh, there's a lot of problems with this movie, and I think that they spent all their skill points on a cool uh, gimmick yeah. that was really cool in 2004, but is so much less interesting in a technology. You just age. want a multiverse. I think I want. He just wants the mold. What? You I, guys don't know about that. Yeah, I just don't want two people uh, staring at each other, talking, explaining uh, technical jargon that means literally nothing. Uh, and then uh, it means something apparently, but yeah, I, I yeah. point take it's all theory. It's all theory, yeah, and so yeah. it's like you know, if it was real, then pe- someone would have done something about it. I, I mean, in terms of the, this is more of a hit pick for later, but let's go. A lot of their jargon was he he like studied physics so that he could like actually yeah, sort of be talking for sure. Uh, sense. Most writers do study the thing they're writing about. Anyways, what what are you rating it? Uh, I'll give it a four out of ten. Four out of ten. I was gonna you give didn't it a five. Enjoy. This is like Doolittle level. No, Doolittle was like a two. Yeah, uh, I found myself constantly fighting the urge to like get up and leave. Uh, like, yeah. oh, I, wow. like with like subconsciously, I just kind of kept getting up and being like, "I need to go get food in the kitchen." Uh, no, I should sit down and watch. Mm. Did okay. you have subtitles on? Yes. Yeah, I got it, huh? Riley. So I, I've seen, I saw this movie back in university at some point. I guess it was tw- two thousand seven or something. Uh, and this was my first rewatch since then. And my experience was kind of about the same, I'd say. As David's or as la- no, the first time? No, times. no, as the first time. I was I was fascinated. Here's my slogan. It makes sense that one of the coolest conceptual hard sci-fi movies of all time is barely even a movie. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, give uh, credence sure. to what you're saying there. Credence, it, uh, it, it, it has many, many weaknesses as, like, a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said... I love that they made it, and it's like a puzzle. It's less of a movie and more of a puzzle. It's I like think a, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I'm giving it a 7.5 out of 10, sure. just because I did really enjoy watching it, and a lot of people did, and they made all these like plot diagrams and like explanations of how the time travel works. There's like whole websites that are just dedicated to this movie, um, and uh, yeah, it's super interesting. It's very cool. Primer punches way above its budget, but ultimately is too incomprehensible to give audiences a satisfying emotional ride. Mm. Put this one back in the box one more time. <laughs> Seven out of ten. Try another loop. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's it's very cool. Um, I too had to watch 
a 20 minute YouTube video explaining what the movie was about. <laughs> yes. Um, which it, in my opinion is a failure. Like, cause I've seen, what's his name? Steve Carruthers. Uh, some, the, Shane the, the, Carruth. Yeah. Shane Carruth. He's the Who's Steve Carruthers. Actor, That's another guy. He's the writer, director, actor, editor, composer, editor, Foley artist. Yeah. Yeah. Did basically everything. I'm sure the movie was like catered by his parents. Um, <laughs> was all acted by his friends. Yeah. Except for Abe. Abe's pretty good. But Aaron, the thing is, I, I would argue that it's indiness is like, like, well, I heard him speak and he said, I'd like a movie where when you watch it the first time, you get like the core of the story, but it takes rewatches to like really get the layers. And I say, cool. Yeah, we all do. Except this, this is not what this is. This is you watch it the first time and you're like, in the last half hour, what the hell happened? Mm. And it, it's just too incomprehensible. And I would, I find myself arguing that it actually needs to be more commercial and mainstream for it to be. I think a better movie. That's a discussion I want to have today, guys. I'm super excited. There's a lot of things I would change about this movie, but there's nothing I would change about this segue to our sponsor. <laughs> Secret Lab Chairs! They're designed to keep you comfortable for those long nights of work and play. Long days, though? Find another chair. <laughs> Just joking. Uh, their Titan Evo 2022 series chair offers four-way lumbar support. It comes with a magnetic memory foam head pillow, and it's offered in different upholsteries like hybrid leatherette, soft weave fabric, and Napa leather. The only leather that is guaranteed to work for 40 years in the box. Box, you know, with fungus on it. Uh, best of all, a five-year extended warranty is included, along with a 49-day return policy. Not 50. If you want that extra day, put it back in the box. Uh, <laughs> back in the box. Put it back in the box. Bring it out this morning at 8.30 a.m. Uh, learning, <laughs> learn more about Secret Lab at lmg.gg slash Secret Lab TJM. That's just, it. It's the only sponsor. I was just laughing that whole time because I feel like, David, you've spent so much time filming with, with Linus. Linus. You've just completely learned how mm -hmm. to do the segue perfectly. <laughs> He's seen I a lot of segues. Them. Amazing. Okay. Um, well, what happened Look, in this movie? this <laughs> synopsis is a doozy, all right? Necessarily. Ugh. Just, just... It, it it will probably clear things up. I know that you're really confused, James. You had trouble following along. All right. No, I'm cleared up now. I just the, oh, are the you? top the top YouTube result with the English woman yes. narrating. Yeah. Very good. I watched that one like three times. Well, I didn't watch it. I should have. Uh, told through a mixture of narration and flashbacks, Primer is the story of engineers Aaron and Abe who work on side projects in Aaron's garage. One such project is a machine that electromagnetically reduces an object's weight, which turns out to have a temporal side effect. Objects in the machine loop between time A, when the field is activated, and time B, when it's powered off, such that objects can leave the field in the present or some previous point. On Come on, this is your th description of it? Now we're in... What do you mean? That's it exactly sends you back in time. The amount of time that you like put on the dial. Well, that's how the machine works. Okay, but that's just well, superfluous. It's, imp it's important because of the multiple timelines. Well, I mean, it's right. important to this movie because that's the whole fucking point. I on know, but it's such a technical description of it. Let's go. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> Thank you. On a Monday, sometime after this discovery, Abe meets Aaron sitting on a bench. He's wearing an earbud to listen to March Madness. Abe reveals to Aaron that he built a larger version of the machine, a.k.a. the box, in a storage unit. By activating the box, waiting six hours in a hotel room to avoid interacting with the outside world, and then entering the box to wait another six hours, Abe time-traveled back to the point at which it was activated. Outside the storage facility, Abe and Aaron watched the earlier version of Abe enter the box. Over the next few days, Abe and Aaron repeat this process, making profitable same-day stock trades and discussing implications of the technology. But the friendship between cautious Abe and impulsive Aaron begins to deteriorate, as do their bodies, forced to endure 36-hour days thanks to the extra box time. On Friday, the two men realize they're being followed by Thomas Granger, so it's been a week, father of Abe's girlfriend Rachel and investor in the original weight loss project. 
They confront they confront him, but he falls into a comatose state from apparently being in the box for who knows how long. It's revealed that Abe built a failsafe box in a second storage unit, which has been running just before box one was activated. Wanting to reset everything, Abe enters the failsafe box, traveling all the way back to Monday morning. This Abe, Abe 2 now, sedates his previous self, Abe 1, meaning there are now permanently two Abes in this timeline. Abe 2 meets Aaron at the bench as before, but turns out this is a future Aaron listening to recordings of all the week's conversations through his earbud. Time for another big reveal. At some point, Aaron found out about Abe's failsafe. He used it to travel back to Monday, bringing a folded up box with him, then replaced Abe's failsafe with his own, ensuring he could travel back further than Abe. This Aaron, Aaron 2, drugged Aaron 1 and hit him in the attic, then took his place and recorded the week's conversations. Aaron 2 then traveled back to Monday again, becoming Aaron 3. Aaron 3 fights Aaron 2, but he's too weak. So instead, Aaron 3 <laughs> convinces Aaron 2 to leave. So now we have Aaron 1 in the attic. Aaron 2 leaves. Aaron 3 is the active Aaron. Aaron 3 is who Abe 2 meets at the bench the second time. Abe is shocked by this revelation, but the two men tentatively reconcile and jointly travel back in time to reshape an event where Rachel is nearly killed by a gun-wielding ex. Stupid. After many repetitions, Aaron stops the gunman, but ultimately their friendship irreparably damaged. Aaron 3 leaves town, while Abe 2 stays to stop their doubles from building more time machines. On the other side of the world, Aaron 2, the one who left and who has been narrating the story via a phone call, presumably to Aaron 1 or Abe 1, ends the call by saying... You will not be contacted by me again. If you look, you will not find me. Aaron 2 hangs up and is shown beginning construction on a warehouse full of time machines. Oh, I thought he was making a big one. I thought it was one super... What the hell is he going to do with that anyways? We're, I'm going back in time with my car now. So it's, it's not... <laughs> what it's, is he dude, doing? This is the prequel to Tenet. That room is the yeah. one that you can put <laughs> yeah, time yeah. in. Yeah. It's not clear whether it's like a big giant warehouse size time machine or a bunch of little ones, but I feel like he's saying they say every meter, every meter do something. So I'm like, mm. it would actually make a lot more sense for him to make... We're going back to 1999. Well, you can only go back. We're going to go have you, a party at the ball drops. <laughs> That's the thing. You can only go back to when you turn the box on. Mm -hmm. So it'd make a, a lot more sense for him to make a ton of smaller time machines. So you can have lots of avenues. Yeah. So that like you, you have more options to sure. come back to the same time or you just, if you make one big box, you can only use it once. You can only go as far back as the time you activate it. Yeah. Yes. Right? So if they make one in spring of 2004, that's as far back as anyone can time as travel. As long as they turned it on. Yeah, but it's, he can only time travel back to then once. Oh, right, because you're saying you have to turn that on. It yeah. has to be running. This and then is, once you go back to This is to something it, that, it was still, that I was still kind of like wrapping my head around, the fact that, okay, you have a time, you have the original box. Once someone uses that box, then you can never use it again, right? Mm -hmm. All you can do is go, you traveled back, and you're like, oh, cool, I'm back to yeah. spring of 2004, uh, and I immediately turn it on again. But so now you, I can't go back as far, but I can go back to like seconds after. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's like you you can't use that box because well, someone is in it now, in the time stream. You have to set up a different box and activate that one. No, which is why I don't think that's true. You can live your been, life. They've been using that's the same box. That's what they keep doing, right? Like they set it for 8.30 a.m., they go live their life until at 3 o'clock p.m. They yeah, yeah. get back in it. But they do it on subse subsequent days. They never travel back to 
that they, they only travel back to Monday by I using fail safes. So I think there are three fail safes at the end of the movie. Yeah. Cool. So every time they travel back, they have to bring a box with them and set it up and activate it. Cool. <laughs> let's let's talk about the strength of the movie, which I think is like, is its plot. Yeah. I think its plot is really cool. And That's intricate. the strength of the movie. I think I, I think like the oh, yeah, oh, the yeah, plot, yeah. not yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the the implications or the emotion behind the plot, but like how it all is revealed right. and unveiled, and like those those layers of time travel. Oh, I don't like it. You don't like it. I like what they're trying to do. I think the way they execute on the plot is not well done. Well, yeah. I think the strength of the movie that everybody could agree on because. I would say one of the strengths is like I like the the jargon and how realistic it is and how they come to like figure out what the machine is at the beginning, yeah. but you don't like that. So Oh well I think that they put too much effort into trying to keep it grounded, that they lost some of the experience of time travel. I feel like yeah. the movie really didn't deliver that experience of like what it would be like to be so discompobulated. Mm. Um, and it kind of gets there by the end, but it's so, it so feels if we, like just messy. If we can't agree on that, I think the thing that everybody can agree on is that the the like central conceit the device like the story engine of this is how the time travel works in this movie that's that's cool, cool. yes the way I, that yes. it loops and it's like okay now there's two of you and you're following the other guy as long as he yeah. gets in the box and you don't bump into him you're good yeah. obviously yeah that's obviously, cool because it's, it's complex enough that you're like you're following it you got to pause the movie and talk to your friend about <laughs> wait a second so this yeah okay okay we got it it's just like right on the brink of yeah of you know stimulating and right. comprehensible and even before i feel like I, I love that they take a little bit of time in the beginning to actually fully explain it because even just the core mechanic of like looping back <clears throat> back uh yeah. is is interesting because it brings up so many questions about uh you know timelines is this a branching timeline is this just one timeline that's being rewritten is it like is determinism a thing mm-hmm. is like there's so many like implications of it and they barely touch on all of the implications in the movie but i like that they kind of give you the time to sort of like ingest the actual model and like digest it and be like okay i think yeah to me the strength of the movie is like there's a ton of ingredients for something interesting and if you are willing to put in the work like you said you to pull apart this puzzle box there's a lot of cool stuff you can you can work with and i think that's really neat but i think like as an experience as a journey it's kind of just bad yeah, well, mm. this is why I think, um, and I, like, you know, I obviously hate to say it. I hate to say, like, yeah, this should just be more Hollywoodized <laughs> to, like, a really cool independent <laughs> film. But I I kind of think that's true. Like, I mean, as a piece of art, it's, it's, it's great. Um, but I think about, I, can, I compare it to Inception. Inception is about as complex as, like, a blockbuster can be. And there's still, like, boomers who are going to watch it and be like, I don't know what happened. Sure. Yeah. And there's still going to be explainer videos and stuff. But... I think it was that movie like rides the line of like, here's what's happening. Right. It's kind of out there, but you can follow it and we can, um, it's comprehensible enough for us to deliver these big emotional beats. And you're like, mind is actually blown. Whereas in this movie, when they reveal the big, like you say, the big reveals. Yeah. They're not big reveals. They're like, (laughs) it's new information. You're just like, Hmm. Oh, I, Oh, so something like that's happening now. Something about this. I guess that there's another one of him, I guess. Primer, I don't really get it. Primer really needed a couple. <laughs> blah, it, they the needed to effect. deliver the information when in a Ape. way that you can get it so that you can emotionally feel the impact well, of the new information. I, I agree because I think that that's a big failure of the movie is the lack of control over what the movie is communicating. It's communicating something cool, but it like the shots don't tell the story. Mm. The like the the style, the editing doesn't really tell the story. And right. so the story story's kind of there for you to like 
pull apart. Perfect but, example of this yeah. in microcosm is the event, the party with a shotgun. Yeah. Because that becomes uh, a central thing that they're worried about. They do a, they put in a lot of effort to travel back and make that work out. But that's a thing that gets talked about. It's an off-screen thing they mention like 20 or 30 minutes in. And then we don't really see shots of it until like 45 minutes in. Whereas if this was like a Hollywood movie, it would have opened at the party. Yeah. Right. And mm. you would have been like emotionally invested in this party and you would have seen this traumatic event to go, oh, my God, we need to change this. It's important that we yeah, change but, this. Okay, yeah, I, I agree. But the I think the biggest weakness of the movie is the fact that the party is even in there at all, because it's still not clear at the end why they came back so many different times to, to stop. Yeah, to 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 change the party. It's the most like it's funny because the plot is like so convoluted, and you actually have to go online and find explanations of it to fully understand what's going on. But the party remains the most confusing part of this movie to me because I'm like, what? I still don't understand what the things about it. In the regular timeline, the life that they lived, the guy showed up with a gun, and nothing happened. But he's worried that there could be other timelines or other the, the party could go down other ways and he just didn't want that to ever happen he wants to make sure the guy goes to jail he never comes back and does something crazy another time yeah that's he just the, wants to really close the loop on that that's what i that that's the ex- explanation that sort of made the most sense is mm-hmm. the fact that like okay the first time around no one died and nothing super bad happened other than the, like the threatening with the gun but this guy's dangerous so we need to like take him out get him out of the the public or whatever. So then he wants to go back and like get him arrested or something, but that's not made clear. And the, the, the thing that's most confusing about it to me is the fact that Aaron really wants to do this, but yeah. it's Abe's girlfriend. Rachel is being threatened by it's her not even his girlfriend. It's his love interest. I thought it was his girlfriend. I think it's his girlfriend. Okay. Anyways, but whatever. Yeah. I spent the whole movie being like, who is Rachel? How do they know Rachel? <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing is that like there are some key players in the movie that aren't really introduced or... She has like, no lines. Like we see Thomas Granger for like two seconds and then he walks off screen yeah, like, and then we never... We see his unconscious body like for another two seconds later and that's it. We never see him in anything but a wide. We yeah. never see his... Like, I don't yeah. know what his face looks like. And I think we... I guess we see Rachel sitting at the table but like you don't... I don't recognize her. And compare all that again to inception where you've got the character of maul mm-hmm. right um who plays her codyard Mar- yeah marion and and the maul. stakes are so much <laughs> the, 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 the stakes are <laughs> yeah, so mal. much isn't it mal mal, it mal? Is it, his wife his the wife. stakes are so much higher because like what she kills herself and their two kids yeah. right that's what he's trying to stop right. from happening versus a guy brandished a weapon at a party this chick i like and i was Wait, like that was not cool she didn't kill his kids what are you talking about uh, oh yeah, you're right. They're not dead. But I was like, I was like geez, that sounds darker. That seems I'm darker that's like Minority Report or something. <laughs> oh, okay. But um, anyways, the stakes are higher, and she's a real character, is yeah. what I'm saying. Right, right, right. Well, um, and it's an interesting kind of dynamic. It sucks. I love having movies with actors I don't recognize, but I think that's a downside to this, where there's someone who's shown in one frame, and then they're kind of brought back. And I was like, is it that generic white guy, or is it the other generic <laughs> yeah, white guy yeah. who's bad at acting? The guy like, with glasses. Yeah, yeah. And, there is a brown think- guy in it. Yeah, the least lines. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, with a movie like this, it's basically like whoever you get, like of the five people you know, who's the best actor that yeah. they're going to be yeah. the, the be- in the role, right? So um, why do you think, though, that they didn't have higher stakes? Like instead of him just brandishing a weapon and nothing really happening, why didn't he show up at the party and shoot somebody? Is that a budget thing or who, who didn't show up? I think it might be because it would be hard to like coordinate a whole like shooting sequence with blood and stuff. The like X? That, that kind of special yeah. effects was Well, was I expensive. think... Why not up the stakes? Okay, so for some reason, this is another thing that's super confusing about the party. Abe doesn't hear about the party the first time around until 
their 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 buddies Casey and and or no uh, Robert and Philip who who are their like side project people that they cut out. Uh, he doesn't hear about the party until Wednesday. The party happens Monday night, and Abe doesn't hear about it until Wednesday. And they were like, "Yeah, there's a party the other day, and your girlfriend was there, and her ex showed up with a gun, and Aaron stopped him." And Abe hasn't heard about any of this until Wednesday. <laughs> they don't have cell phones yet, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> they do no, they have, cell, have phones, cell phones, but they yeah. don't have texting, I guess, maybe. I, I, I don't know. What the hell? Uh, so- also, nitpick. Party's on Monday. <laughs> nitpick. Yeah, what, the what hell? kind of fucking party is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Why didn't this movie start on Saturday? I'm so interested in who Shane Carruth is. Uh, but maybe that's for later. Yeah. Let's keep talking about the movie. Let's talk about some good stuff, you know? Sh- sure. I mean... <laughs> I think the beginning of this movie is pretty strong. I think the first half hour is pretty strong. Yeah. I like the setup that they have, like, when they're just these four electrical engineers in the garage trying to make it work, and they're arguing over, like, which project they're allowed to do, and they're like, hey, man, you, when we set this up, you said that we each have a turn, like, trying to make our thing work. Now, we let you have your turn. Now it's our turn. You got to, you know, yeah. stick yeah. with us on this. I like this whole, dr- yeah. like, drama they set up. I agree. Nothing really ends up happening with their friends. No, they kind of just exist in the background. They're they're just there basically to illustrate the fact that that they're kind of hypocritical and that they're so mad at this other guy. It's implied that the Platt, this guy that they talk about punching in the face. He screwed them over, yeah. He screwed them over by taking their idea and cutting them out, and they end up doing the same thing to those two guys. Because yeah. I feel like that's the main thematic pull of the movie is like how this kind of power when you're not, you have an you have the scientific answers, but you don't have the moral answers. What happens? To yes. you? And I think that's kind of like the the emotional pull of the movie. Yeah, and I think at some point Shane, I, I saw a quote of his where he was saying, "I the movie I wanted to explore what would happen when these like engineer guys who have thought about these like theoretical questions mm-hmm. and this like practical questions their entire life, but they haven't really thought ever about moral questions. Mm-hmm. Once they're faced with ethical conundrums." What do they do? They just completely fall, fall apart because they yeah. haven't ta- th- thought about it at all. And they're in like their the lives. most boring people in the world. They're like, ask his, their, his wife, like, what would you do? And she she just says, like, I don't know or something. It's <laughs> like, so, it's a good thing you're in the movie. This, that was so weird. Her lines, man, I was like, and this was written by a dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. She has nothing to say. Okay. So I should say now about Shane, I guess. Well, hold on, though. No, okay. I, never mind. You can tell me right after this. All right. And then he, it's like, what would you do? And then. Biggest thing he can imagine is like punching a guy in the face. <laughs> I know, right? On the flat of his nose. As I'm like, this movie has no swearing. He wants to punch someone in the face. That's his like crazy fantasy. And they're wearing suits the whole time. Is this like, are they like Mormon or something? <laughs> is this like a Mormon movie? <laughs> I think it's more like Office Space vibes. I mean, like 2004, I feel like they're, they, they have day jobs at an engineering firm, which I guess... In 2004, maybe was that more like you you wore suits? I think they're wearing suits just so that when you're watching multiple timelines of them, they're it's a reason for them to look the same and, and you don't know yeah. which character you're watching. Yeah, it's they wear the same thing every day. Right. It's, 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 not, that's it's not like, oh, well, that's Jean Jacket, yeah. Aaron, so I know that's the first and they're, version. They're both wearing white shirts with different ties, so then you're like, oh, that's red tie, that's blue tie, or whatever. Yeah. Um, now you tell me about... Okay, I guess I will. Steve I'll just Carruthers. jump to it. Why not? Why, why wait? Shane Carruth, uh, so he only made this movie, and then he made Upstream Color, uh, which was also very... I mean, this one won an award at, at Sundance for something. It was like the Grand Jury Prize or something. Um, and then Upstream Color was also critically acclaimed. And those are the only real two movies that he made. I thought he made something Orchid, some kind of... He's been a consultant on a couple thing. movies. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, but as a director, oh, 
composer. He was a composer for the Girlfriend Experience. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh wow! He, Director. Yeah. Oh, Breakthrough made a documentary. But yeah, these are his only two narrative uh, features. Mm. And turns out that he was uh, physically and sexually abusive to his uh, fiance. Oh who boy. who was the star of Upstream Color and also makes her own is a writer director herself. Um, so, cool. anyways, it makes Very sense cool. that his <laughs> it makes sense that and he's so so he was canceled in uh, in the small circles <laughs> in twenty twenty. He posted sure. a photo that was like she had revealed that her his wife her his fiance had filed a restraining order against him. Okay. Anyways, he's get he's back got, in the box. He's a uh, he was a. Yeah. Uh, Brilliant guy, clearly. He makes he made two very highly acclaimed films, and he wrote another couple screenplays that people were like really, really excited mm-hmm. about, and they were uh, released online, and people were like, whoa, these are good. But uh, I guess he's kind of a piece of shit, or he deals with uh, some mental issues, and um, man, all that to say, it makes sense that the dialogue for the Wife sole character. female character with dialogue in this movie sucks. <laughs> That's a- yeah, I think most of the dialogue kind of sucks. I think like well, if it's yeah. not technical jargon or explaining kind of the mechanics of it, it's not good. Like they people don't speak the way normal people speak. They kind of just say what's on their mind, you know. And See, I don't know because I feel like I really got the feeling, and as you were saying, James, in the first half hour or whatever, I felt more like I felt like this was a real fly on the wall experience, like down to earth, mm, where kinda. I believed and I believed that they were that they knew what they were talking about. Like when at, there's this, there's this shot and it's like a long shot. It's like a two or three minute shot where they're just all like pointing at a whiteboard or something and talking about, well, if we put this here, then we'll have to up, up the, yeah. the bandwidth or blah, blah, blah. And they're just like going on and on and on with jargon. And I'm like, I wrote, if, if these guys are just actors and they spend a shit ton of time learning jargon so they mm. could just talk shop. Yeah. And I was like, this feels really believable. I feel like I'm just watching engineers try and figure something out. Which I appreciated because, like, there is there is a space for that kind of like, you know, I, I don't I don't know what to call it, but I fly can on the definitely see what you guys are saying. I think if I was more feeling more charitable as I watched it, I could have I think engaged with that part of it. I was it. also very enhanced. Ah, that's fair. Mm. I think for me, I needed. I was tired, and I was like, if I'm gonna like get into this, <laughs> you're, you're like, I'm gonna get it the first time, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I was just finding myself pulled out by. A lot of the shot selection, there's these like these slider shots, and like, they never stop fucking using the slider. Mm. But they frame it behind people so that it'll be a frame, and it's like sixty percent of the frame is someone's fucking back. Yeah, and it's like, do you not know how to fucking make a movie? And it's like, yeah, they don't. Mm. Uh, I liked when the, the first time they used the slider. They they it was like it was expensive or something, and they waited for this moment. It was like when Abe is they're like about to turn it on or something like that, and I was like. Ooh, cool. This just up the ante. Well, that's the way you're supposed to use it. Like, ideally, you're using camera moves to help communicate the feeling, like, help direct the audience's emotion or thoughts towards a specific moment. But this movie, it constantly does the, like, like corporate shooter first first video of, like, constant slide-to-side trucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And it's yeah. just, like, there's no story reason. It's just, like, they're at the table and they're trucking behind. But for half the frame, it's behind someone's back. And then every fucking line is ADR, and so yeah. it's like it's so hard for and my, my like, technical brain to turn off and accept like the cool stuff about it because I'm just like, come on. Yeah, it seemed like they <laughs> get better audio. It also seemed like some shots were like slowed down a little bit. Like mm. they they it, it's in like very very slight slow motion with ADR, 
And I'm like, I wonder if that was on purpose or whether they were like, oh, whoops, we shot in the wrong frame rate. And so now we have to do ADR. I don't know. It's it's tough. And I don't want to be too mean because like it's $7,000 movie and they shot it on real film. Like they they apparently they had 80 minute uh, minutes of usable footage and the movie is 78 fucking minutes long. <laughs> and so like <laughs> that's it's an incredible wow. achievement what they've done. Yeah. And like. If I can take a step back, I'm sure there's a part of me that's feeling a little jealous that this guy was able to accomplish that. So I'm sure that's like coloring my criticism. But at the same time, I'm criticizing a movie and these terrible shot selections are a factor. For those who don't know, ADR is basically when uh, they record some voiceover outside of uh, what you're seeing on the screen. Additional dialogue recording. And normally in a professional movie studio, you would do it in a, in a, a quiet room and you would use the same mic at about the same distance as it would have been on the shot. But in this one, they're using a different mic and it's really close. So the P's and the S's really pop. Mm. So it sounds like the mic is like right in their fucking <laughs> face and it's really fucking distracting. Okay, Mr. So, F-bomb. I, I will say that those those kind of like uh, trucking around shots while they're like just spitting out jargon, uh, uh, it kind of gave me like, it kind of gave me like a mix of like uh, Ocean's Eleven and Office Space. And then with like some inception thrown in later where it's like the the sci-fi element. I feel like it was it was interesting seeing this kind of like obviously I don't know if all these those movies came out at this time. I forget. But it was interesting kind of seeing all of these elements kind of mashed together into something mm-hmm. that and I like all of those movies. Well, and I think a, a big part of the experience too in, in any movie is if you have trust for the filmmakers and if you're allowed to if you're giving them the benefit of the doubt as to why a decision you don't fully agree with was made. Like if Denis Villeneuve had a shot where there was like a, a dolly that was behind people's backs, I would be making mental justifications, being like, oh, he's trying to give us like the outside of perspective. We're not on the inside. We're like observing these people doing this. Yeah, mm. you're a charitable like benefit of the doubt totally. view where like I'm in his hands and whatever he yeah. decides to show me is intentional. Whereas this, I'm like, oh, the director's in the frame because he couldn't find an actor. And so he's like his buddy that's holding the camera kind of is just like, oh, like, OK, the background frame's nice, but there was no one really in the frame when they framed it. And they're just kind of shooting it, you know, mm-hmm. there's uh, one or two times where I'm like, they did a lot with a little here. And, and or they did something clever. And mm-hmm. one of the times is when the machine's just been turned on and they I think, again, it's like another uh, dolly shot and they move the camera and he, he's approaching the machine. And he's going to like drop confetti oh, on yeah, it or something like that. Sick. But then that ca- the instead of seeing it directly, we see it through a camcorder. And that's like that was great because it just made it easier for them to do the special effect that they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of and it keeps the audience just it gives a little veil of mystery. We don't yeah. really know what's going on. That was really clever. I agree. Yeah. There's some really clever shots. Like even when like there's a shot outside the garage with the garage door closing and stuff. Like there's there is good shots where yeah. I can tell like they took a little bit of time and thought about it. But you can tell this movie was just shot by the fl- the seat of their pants. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to address this now because I feel like the approach that I'm taking to this movie is like the direct inverse of the approach I took to Starship Troopers. Mm. Which a lot of people we'll talk about that maybe on fan service, but I've never seen anybody <laughs> as many bad comments, and then you comment back as yeah, often as, I, as spent, this. I spent some time in the comments. But, um, so for that movie, I was like, this is a big budget, mass marketed movie. Paul Verhoeven, the filmmakers in general, have a responsibility when your audience is going to be that big and you have that much budget to do your best to make the film accessible to people and make it, you know, like, like smooth out these things that could cause confusion or misinterpretation Mm -hmm. at the end of it. Right. For this movie, it's got a seven thousand dollar budget 
one guy did almost all of it. So it's like, I'm going to forgive a lot of these things, right? And the fact that this one guy was able to write this script, get people together, and actually execute and finish it, you know, I'm 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 forgiving a ton of stuff, and so like as you should, you know, I, there were even some like of those dolly, sh- some of those uh, dolly shots where the camera was like shaking and stuff, and I'm like, it, you know what? That's fine. I'm not gonna like detract points for that. Like that's that's a obviously I'm not gonna give it like like in the 10. low light shots look bad, like they're so grainy yeah and stuff, yeah but super grainy. whatever they're working with what they had yeah, yeah. And which so, is less than my phone right now right. <laughs> So like my my you know I was talking about like responsibility and like you know uh, skill on on the other one and then this one I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna reduce that a whole lot. I think that's fair uh, because it's different. This is meant to go on this festival circuit. This is meant for a limited audience. This is not like I think he made this movie knowing that it's not going to be Star Wars. Well, and I think you know? it's a brilliant uh, use of scope. Uh, and it's in restraint in the sense that like there's nothing in this movie where you're like wow they really fucking really fucked it up like yeah. there's no special effect where you're like that's embarrassing it's really smart to have a be a box and just the hum and then they go back and like there's no he he was really smart in the scope I think. yeah uh, I have a question what when they're talking a lot of jargon at the beginning explaining how it works and it sounds like he really wanted it to seem realistic and even if you just you have subtitles on and you see what they're writing it's like yeah okay this all checks out at the same time, he has he does the technique where there's two conversations happening at once a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to listen to this jargon and then someone else is having a side conversation with that same person being like, well, what do you want to eat? Should I order it now? Uh, pizza, are you sure? And so it's really <laughs> discombobulating. Yeah. And so is that meant to make us not focus on what he's saying so that we don't look too closely at the I, explanation? I got the feeling that it was just trying to be realistic because like, that's tr- kind of how those conversations go. And I think like you guys praised it, it feels very grounded in the first 30 minutes yeah, he's either so. trying to make it seem like realistic or he's trying to make it purposely confusing so you don't look too closely at it but either way <laughs> it's like it's cool at first but all, after a while it's like hey <clears throat> i understand that you know how to do that that's one tool <laughs> in the toolbox he's yeah, getting a little worn it. out he just loves it um he gives like he, he tries a little bit to to grapple with the ramifications and the implications of this uh they have that conversation where they're sitting at the uh, at the gas station and they're talking about like determinism and like if everything plays out the same way and if there's anything you can actually do to change history. But that's also an interesting thing because they change history themselves multiple times. Yes. Did you guys did you guys get the feeling when you were watching this that it was like one timeline? Or is it like branching timelines in the sense in the same way that like, I don't know, back to the future. Well, if it was Marvel's. branching then they w- wouldn't they never see each other? The fact that they see their double, that means it's not branching, doesn't it? Well, okay, so I <laughs> I, I went a couple different ways on this because I was like, it sort of has to be branching if there's an original timeline and then the Abe from that timeline comes back and now has started a new timeline that is different from the other timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see that there's evidence of that, right? Because he he goes later on to invite his friend to the party and he has those canned like recorded things in his ear. And so he's sticking to that script, but his friend is clearly having a different conversation mm. and the answers that he's giving based on the recording don't match up with the conversation they're having. Yeah. Cause like in the original conversation, it's like the guy's going like, yeah, I guess I'll come. And then his reply from the recording is like, uh, great man. See you there. 
But then they show the scene again, and instead of saying, yeah, I guess I'll come, the guy's like, no, 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 I think I've got plans. Great, I'll see you there. Yeah. You know, yeah. Man. There are, like, the, the whole the whole basketball scene where he, like, invites the ex-boyfriend. This party is really, this is the biggest weakness of this stupid movie, is the party. Because, like, what? Aaron goes to invite the ex-boyfriend to the party for some reason. But I guess he did that. No, he doesn't invite the ex-boyfriend. He invites somebody else. Oh, he invites his friend the and friend tells who, him the friend who ultimately brings him or something like right, that. Right, which is even which is another layer of remove like, like he removes that we don't need. Might just tell, tell the guy not to come so he doesn't bring the weird. He guy. wants so, the guy to come so he can get him arrested. Okay, yeah, I guess. but like so so it's just it, go and kill him. It's implied yeah, that <laughs> you got time travel. If you don't that, get away with it, just try again. It's implied that Aaron initiated and caused this whole confrontation at the party, right? Mm-hmm. Because if he hadn't talked to that guy. Then the ex-boyfriend wouldn't come. I'm sure in someone's spreadsheet somewhere it's very clear. <laughs> in all in all of the explanations that I found, I mean, people were less concerned about the party and why it was there and like why Aaron was going to save it instead. Like the 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 thing that made made the most sense. Well, not even the the most sense, but the most the closest I got to someone actually explaining it was saying that okay, Aaron is. This is Aaron three at the point when he actually stops the gunman finally after repeating it a million times. That's Aaron three. And so he knows that there are two other Aaron's in this timeline permanently. And so he's like, "Eh, I got nothing to, I got nothing to lose. I'm just going to go out of my way to like be a hero Mm -hmm. for some reason. And I was like, okay, I guess that sort of makes sense, but it still makes no sense as to why Aaron would start this, like start this confrontation arc and then work so hard to have an outcome. I feel like that's what kind of leads us to, in my opinion, one of the biggest strengths of the movie is how flat every character is. Like biggest weaknesses? One of the big. I think one of the biggest. Oh, you weaknesses. said strengths. <laughs> <laughs> um, I couldn't tell you anything about any of the characters. Like, there's cautious a- Abe. Well, and well, the thing bold is, bold Aaron. Aaron also seems kind of conservative at the beginning that's, too. Yeah, yeah. He's character. It's not. Like most movies, they, they show you, they characterize people pretty strongly in one direction. So you're like, okay, you know yeah. what, what their role is in the story. Yeah. But Aaron, they kind of show him as he's conservative. He doesn't want to take on some of the projects that the other guys want to do. He wants to do something practical that's going to work. Yeah. yeah, the characterization is really weird. And I wouldn't be able to describe a single thing about anyone else in this movie. Well, they're, they're not important. The only yeah, but you, important need, you need to have people, like, you need to have people that have personalities so that everything kind of like... Yeah, every conversation gets shape from the characterization. Right. But they kind of try. This... Like, remember that part where like um, Aaron goes to pick up Abe, and he's like, "Are those kids still there?" And he's like, "Yeah." And then he goes into his living room, and there's like this roommate that's leeching off him or something. Yeah. It's like, what? oh yeah. They tried yeah. to do some kind of characterization with that. My favorite moment of characterization in the whole thing is when. Hey, wait, is Aaron the cautious one? Abe's the blonde guy. Oh, yeah, so Aaron, and they're, like, at the machine Wait. shop, and he's, like, I got his hand in front of his face, and he's, like, should we wear, be wearing goggles? I love that. I don't know why that, I thought that was so funny, because that's Wait, something I would Abe do. Abe is the cautious one. Well, exactly. This is the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Abe is the they blonde. Both are. Abe is blonde, Aaron is dark-haired. Hey, so Aaron, he, okay. they're at the machine shop, and he's, like, got his hand in front of his face, because he's, like, yeah, he's yeah, cautious. I thought funny. that was a good little joke, but also characterization, and it helps make them 
Well, they're characterizing clear. the machine as well, right? They're going, yeah. what are we building? But this see, wacky that, thing. But that doesn't that goes against the characterization because Aaron is supposed to not be the cautious one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, like the, yeah, it, it, it like flips. And also, Abe is the one who initially goes and like actually builds the time machines first, and then does the experiment himself, and then comes and reports to Aaron. So how cautious could he be? <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if we're actually going to do it. Are we? Do you guys have specific nitpicks and hitpicks, or is this whole thing? Couple, we don't need yeah. to do a whole section. Because I, I have. Because the next thing I want to say is one of those. But why not hit the button? Nitpicks. It's kind of depressing to me the fact that there's so little to talk about with this movie, given how much I enjoyed it. Because I really, I usually I enjoy like heavy thematic elements and well, stuff. Yeah. But this one, like I said, it's less of a movie and more of a puzzle. It's I like a little game. But I feel like the puzzle part is cool. But thematically, there is very little below the hood in the sense of like they explore less than you would in like a 22 minute episode of a cartoon. Yeah, on I don't know. It's interesting. In the first half of the movie, they, it's like they don't want to broach these subjects at all. They're like, I hung out in a hotel room so that I didn't meet up with myself because I don't know what's going to happen if I what happens and does the universe collapse into a singularity I don't even want to think about it and you're like okay I could it's fair for a movie to do that but then they do do that they do do meet up with themselves completely screw things up which is yeah I I'm I'm glad that I saw that quote from Shank Ruth saying that it was about these guys who didn't like think about moral stuff at all because if if that if I hadn't seen that then I would not really know what to take from the movie but that's probably the strongest theme is that like, okay, all of these sci-fi, st- uh, all this like detailed physics stuff, like science is really interesting, but if you spend your entire life just thinking about like, uh, you know, physics and science and stuff, then you're not going to be prepared when it's actually time to, to, uh, yeah. to, to put the metal to the pedal to th- the metal. I think though, like the, the, right. the exploration of that is so shallow yes. and they don't really go because, those, well, because those characters are so ill-defined how could we go deep into that subject of how this power or how the lack of, of asking questions, moral questions affects you because you're just like, Oh yeah, two dudes. And they're doing kind of like the basic time travel stuff of, you know, working for themselves and like kind of being careful and then getting reckless. And it's like, that's literally would be the arc of a, like a 13 minute episode of adventure time. Yeah. 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 I guess we need like another hour in this movie, but I I do not merciful hour 10. I feel like I'm merciful. No, it would be, it would be super, super cool if, somebody could have taken this concept and like gotten way more budget for it mm-hmm. and gotten uh, script consultants and like turned it into something with uh, more interesting characters and themes and uh, you know mm-hmm. a, a plot that makes a bit more sense and has requires less deciphering but like the core concept this time travel concept of like looping back super cool is super cool because yeah, I hit the nitpicks button, so we actually got to do them. Okay, okay. fine. Um, I the one I was gonna say when I hit that button oh, is yeah, we yeah. were talking about how the cautious character Abe is the one who actually just gets in the time machine first, because uh, it's it's a nitpick to me that they go from oh we have this little box that we can put this little weeble in, well let's make a bigger one so a human can go in it. It's like that what? doesn't follow. Why why not? They want to put it in something that can move, something that could come yeah, out at a, point A instead of point put B. A cat, put a yeah, cat. why not just a rodent or a robot? Yeah. Well, because a cat wouldn't know to exit at a certain time. Well, how about just a little robot, like a, like a toy that goes after six minutes and ten seconds, it walks over to the other part of the. I mean, they built a fucking time machine. Can't they put a little like timer inside that hits a button? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, they they brought a timer inside so they would know to yeah. stay in for a certain amount of time, but. 
How do they? Because like you can't or open a kid. the box. A kid could have so done it. Whoever, whatever's inside the box has <laughs> right, to open the box at the right time. Yeah, you can just put create little mechanisms that like a little, are on a six-hour timer. Little remote control car. Well, I think what they wanted. They wanted like, to have a time travel movie is what they wanted. Right. So like they want to go back in time themselves. So it's like it, it would kind of defeat the purpose to put a cat in there unless they were like, okay, we want well, to make no, sure at that point die. in the movie they don't want to do that themselves. At that point in the movie they want to be, like just know what the hell this thing is. No, but couldn't they have done it like where they start the machine and then they there's nothing in it, they close it and then they they, they open it and there's a cat? Like wouldn't they know that six hours in the future they had sent a cat back? But I don't think they would be able to verify that the cat has experienced a discrete amount of time. But they would they, know that they have the ability to send stuff back. Well, they already they, I they put the like watch in. And I, the I, watch, think, I think the nitpick is, wow, that's a really big jump with no testing. Yeah, it certainly is. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like they they just jump in there. Uh, Abe <laughs> just jumps in, not knowing whether cautious Abe, <laughs> cautious Abe, not knowing whether he will even survive the journey or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but I a hit pick, a hit pick is how they amp up the machine. Like they really give it like this reverence in this movie. Oh like my gosh. they're about to use it and they oh wait, I gotta do all the checks. And there's that shot of the hand hovering over all the switches and they're just like, What is what are we doing in our garage? Yeah. It's like it's very gravitas. I agree. I think on a t- I feel bad bullying the technical execution of this movie, but the the cutaways in this movie have totally different lighting. And so I I actually didn't process them as cutaways to like a hand on a thing. I thought it was a flashback. And I thought this movie was doing like a cool thing where it's like non-linear. They're showing us like moments from the past. But it was just like, no, they just don't have control over their lighting. So they had to to like use faster stock and it looks super different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your hit pick? Uh, It's kind of dumb, but I like it. Uh, (laughs) Is that the character's name is Abe Turger and that's regret backwards. (laughs) Oh, okay. Ah. Interesting. (laughs) Kind of dumb. Um related to what Eba. you were just saying james a big nitpick that i just realized they have to flood the box with argon for it to work mm-hmm. so but they're not wearing gas masks or anything when they're in the box so it's like they just i guess they figured out that you didn't need the argon or something oh, well maybe it doesn't flood the interior where you're sitting it's like flooding the pipes with argon or something what pipes I don't, don't, know. don't they wear oxygen no. masks what, so the the initial tests with the electromagnetic uh, weight reduction thing, they have to seal the the container, and then they flood the box with argon. But they do have those oxygen tanks. Yeah, they have, that's what I'm saying. They're, they're wheeling them tanks. in to the storage locker all the time. Oh yeah, you're right. Ah, okay. I'm an hit idiot. Pick. <laughs> Sorry, never mind. <laughs> it's a hit. <laughs> Another hit pick. Uh, at the end, when it goes to the gray credit screen, uh, shout out for their boldness in using like iMovie credit designs. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. That wasn't I, boldness. That's all I had. No, I, the, the, I the, they could have done the black black screen with white text. But I, I just I I appreciate it because it made me realize like oh anything but white text on a black screen is so jarring. Yeah, it is. And so it's like what? It. I liked it. Y- here's on? a funny pick. Uh, you gotta love the. Uh, Man, <laughs> like all the gay jokes in the middle, they're like, man, the pe- person who owns this hotel must be- think it's so weird that these two guys are coming for six hours a day. <laughs> must think we're fags. They actually say the oh. F word. And the- Do they? Yeah, uh, you missed oh, I that? Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have 2004. subtitles. Very 2004. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was kind of jarring, though. Oh, nitpick. At the opening, when there's a shot of like a soldering iron, and they're like hitting a wire, it's not on. Uh, oh, my gosh. It was annoying. So <laughs> I'm like, just turn the soldering iron on. Um. This is so, uh, this is not a really a nitpick or a hippic, but it's a question. What is going on in the scene where Abe is alone in the box and he walks over to the other side and Aaron isn't there, and then he walks back over 
and then looks at his watch and he comes back and now Aaron is there in the box with him. I don't remember. You don't, I don't remember that? I don't remember this. I feel like that's like a crucial detail for how the box works that I'm missing because I guess they're they're implying that when you go in the box and then it closes, you're like alone and you can't interact with another person in the box? Or is it that like he entered the box later? I don't know. If you it's guys probably, don't know, then probably just, we're not going to have that That's answer. probably indicating that Aaron is kind of screwing around. How uh, it, no, I... They, they wasn't surprised or anything like that was up to plan or whatever if you in the comments if you know what was going on with the with the thing where Aaron suddenly appears in the box uh, no. uh I have a question and maybe the spreadsheets have the answer um the spreadsheets the like if, blackout the flow charts. Yeah, yeah if if you only go back so far as when the machine was turned on so like if you have the machine turned on for six years and you get in the box for six sorry six hours and get back in the box you can only go back six hours. Yeah. Why is that item that he puts in there for a couple hours getting five years of protein? Because it can't uh, consciously exit, so then it loops. So the only reason that they can, mm. uh, well, if, if they stayed, in, they could stay in the box indefinitely and die in there okay. because time loops in the box. So the implication is that the weeble that got all the fungus on it, you know, they're like, that fungus takes years to grow. It's because it had years in the box. Okay. Before they and they when they put an inanimate object in the box, they have no control over how long internally the time is going to pass for the inanimate object. They bring it out in some mechanism that they don't understand uh, has has it stop at a certain point. Okay, but they put it in for like three seconds. They put the watch in for like three seconds and like you know hours pass when okay. they take it out. So okay. That answered uh, my question. Get yeah. it though? I don't get it. That's what th- James it's just basically saying. That is why I tried to explain it in the beginning of the synopsis because you're like, oh, it's just a time machine. It's not just a time machine. It's a time loop machine. And then, but you need to be conscious to get out on one end. Yes. Okay. So that's why sure. they had to go in as conscious agents so that they could time it. Okay, we've been in the box for six hours. Now instead of being at time B, we are at back at time A. So now we get out. If we didn't get out, we're going to loop back to well, time they could, B. But like they could have just put a timer that opens the door. Like that's there's no mechanics behind that one that not working because they're still looking at a mechanical thing. So the time on their mechanical thing still moves forward. I guess they could theoretically build a timed mechanism that would open the door from, from the, the inside, inside. Yes. Uh, at the right time. Yeah. But I feel like I don't know. That's kind of hard to do with like the storage door. It's like you yeah. have to build something on the inside. of the, yeah. I don't know. And the other the, this one I saw online. I didn't Could've think of worked. this, but it's. So the route back to A end is impossible as if it curves parabolically. Since the shortest distance between the two points is a straight line, a curved trip would require being in the box longer than it had been on. Yes. So actually, this is addressed uh, by people who have like gone uh, painstakingly through. And yeah, so he actually spends six and a half hours in the box, I think. Do they say that in the movie or are they They don't they say this in the movie. No, so much of this like deciphering the details and like how things actually quote unquote worked uh, is is done by people who are like... It's done by Shane Cru- I'm No, Cru- it's, Cru- it's done by all these people who have like gone through... Because this is the funny thing. There Do you are, think he's not posting maybe, on his alt account? Maybe, I don't know. He's, yeah, who what knows? else does he have Who to knows? Do? But like they're all of, <laughs> there, there are multiple of these sites and all of them refer to the characters in different ways. Like some people called Aaron two hooded Aaron in other ones. Sure. Aaron three is actually Aaron six or, or Aaron or five. one is Aaron zero. Yeah. So like sure. it, it, it all depends on how you want to number them and how you want to like, uh, 
think about do it. the math of how like okay he went back f- further we don't actually know how back how far back aaron went earlier than abe some people say he went back to 5 a.m or oh, 6 a.m it doesn't matter right so like they're doing math and they're doing these calculations yeah. based on, on conjecture I'm very happy for these people that have spent this time making these calculations uh, and really <laughs> investing so much energy into making it happen. <laughs> but if you're watching this and you're mad at me for not liking the movie as much as you, spend that energy on something more productive. This is this Hit is pick. this is just lore, you know? This is just like the lore personality versus the non-lore personality. I got a huge hit pick here. Okay, I just want this line that has he just had to put in the movie. He just had to. Oh man, I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten since later this ah, afternoon. That was, oh, that was mine. Yeah. <laughs> that was my, one of my hit picks. Yeah. yeah it's just but like, that doesn't I even make know. sense. Ah. I think that's dumb. Actually, wait. Actually, it does make sense. Because this is the other thing. There's doubles, right? But when you are when you have a double in the timeline, you are just a later version of the earlier. Yeah, it's been like twelve double. hours of you. And this is another thing that was confusing. Because so the first time, the very first time Abe goes to turn the box on, he goes to a hotel to, to remove himself from, from the time, or from, from interacting with people, right? At that point in the timeline, there is only one Abe, right? There's no, because this is what I was confused about. I'm like, is it implying that when they turn the box on and then there's a 15 minute timer for the box to actually turn on, they like set the activation, 15 minutes later, the box turns on so that they can get out of there so they don't interact with their double but at that point at some points in the movie it makes you think that the double is actually going to come out of the box the first time Mm. because that would keep the timeline consistent you know that you're going to go in the box later so right after you turn the box on second you comes out of the box right but that's not what happens the first time he turns on the box he goes to a hotel there's only one abe in the timeline yeah then six hours later he gets into the box and creates a new timeline where now there are two two Abe's. So every time they get in the box, it creates a new timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's like recursive, like right. that thing. From now on, there's like a looping thing where there's a new guy's gonna walk right. out of there. And so uh, older Abe, older Aaron in this case, is it's true that he says, "Are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon." Because he is the same Abe. Yeah, that was his same, conscious same experience. Same Aaron that that ate later in the afternoon but now they reset the day and they're back here. Mm-hmm. So it, I, at, at first I was like, that's a funny joke, but it doesn't make sense. No, it's the same reason why they say all oh, these 35 hour days are getting. Yeah, but yeah. it makes perfect sense. It makes sense. It's just dumb. It's not dumb. It's not how you would, it, it's not how you would instinctually say how it. How would you he, say it? The character has to think about it and think that he's clever. They should have laughed. Yeah. Yeah. It, it should have been, been like, yeah, uh, it shouldn't have been like a nonchalant remark. It should have been like, yeah, since like <laughs> later this afternoon. <laughs> I and do, well, like, he, the way he says it, it's kind of like they've they've experienced this for. That's in the montage part where they've been doing this for days or yeah, even yeah. Longer. I think that's like Wednesday or Thursday at that point. So uh, maybe they've talked like that. How before, else would you but, say it? Well, if you were if, if if it was the first time he said something like that, they should both laugh. Yeah, or it should have been like since. Well, I think he, it's implied it's not. Uh, yeah, I haven't exactly. I haven't eaten since like eight hours. Oh, this afternoon. Like the way he says it is is just wrong. Yeah, there should have been like a little a, thing where he like oh. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. It is kind of fun. It is funny. <laughs> um, sort of a mid-pick. I don't know. They. It's implied that they had the same dream inside the box because they sleep while they're in there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, they, they talk about, he's like, ah, I had a crazy dream. I was like sitting on There's a beach like and the waves coming yeah, in or whatever. The ghost from the time, the time travel ghost <laughs> the time is in there. Yeah, yeah, the time ghost was in there. <laughs> it's Red Skull. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's... 
this if this was like a bigger Hollywood thing, it could have been. It could be like the start of a franchise because there's so many questions you could ask about yeah, like how many other parties can we go to and yeah and <laughs> i don't even know if the movie directly implies this but it's like what if what if you turn the box on make an army of abes what oh no so okay so what if you you you're traveling back in time you get out of the box there are two of you in the in the universe mm. what if you turn the box off at that point or or open the door or something what happens we'll never know it's impl- uh, some people online seem to think that it was like you kill your yourself or your past self or because it's like you're yeah that's sna- a good question you're now stopping the thing that caused you to just come out it, of the it's box it's a paradox so right yeah like you the second Abe emerges Abe one is at the hotel waiting and at three o'clock he plans to go and get in the box that should be turned on yeah but then he gets there and it's like well you just turned it off right like ten minutes before he arrived you just the Abe two turned it off so now what he's like oh I guess I can't get in. So then, that's a paradox because Abe Two wouldn't have existed. Well, and but then, and this is the weird thing about that is because like maybe nothing would happen. But they talk about that a bit in the movie, right? When they first use it, they're like, "I just have to make sure I turn it on, or otherwise, I don't know what's going to happen. The universe explodes." Oh, okay. I'm my own grandpa or whatever. So he, that's why he came <laughs> he, back to watch himself it. go back in. I think he did that just to see like is this actually happening? Yeah, yeah. It's funny because at first they're like, "Okay, we can't interact with ourselves. We can't alter the timeline," and then later. This is also something that makes very, very little sense character-wise and plot-wise. When Abe gets woken up by the kids hitting the car alarms at like three in the morning, he goes and wakes up Aaron and he's like, hey, for some reason this impl- this this inspired him to say that they, wa- they should do the whole punching plaid in the face thing with the time machine. And so they're, they're saying that they're going to go back in time. They're going to they're gonna go to P- Platt's house punch him in the face, then go in back in the time machine and go, he had set it on to, uh, he had turned it on on Thursday evening. Yeah, and then they'll go, and this time when I get woken up by the kids, I just don't wake you up and we don't go back in time. And we don't go back in time. And he's like, it's like it's never happened. But if they were actually to do that, then they would have permanent doubles because they would stop themselves from going back in the time machine and now there's two of them in the universe. Oh. Which is funny because it's like, oh, maybe they didn't know that that's what would happen. But when Abe goes back to with, with uses the failsafe, he knows to immediately go to himself, Abe Zero, and knock him out so that he's out of the way. So it's like he knows that doing this isn't going to just like fix the timeline. It's going to make it worse. So, anyways, that like it's a super interesting puzzle, and obviously, yeah, like, thing with this movie. you can't do something this complex and have absolutely everything yeah. make sense. Maybe, but it's cool that they they really did think a lot of it through. Yeah, none of us really like rated it very highly, but it's a very interesting movie. It's very fun to talk about yeah. uh, with each other. So that's like why I wanted to cover yeah, this. I'm I glad think, we did. I think I think everyone's gonna be glad that we did. I'm and so glad. I actually would recommend watching it if it, if our discussion interested you because it's like what we talked about still won't make any sense. Yeah. Oh, this is a bad episode if you haven't seen the movie. Probably <laughs> <laughs> should have said that at the beginning. Yeah. Like, uh, definitely fair. don't try to listen to this. You guys want to do some fan service? Sure. Shout out to Riley. <laughs> I missed this. What happened? Some funny, so I you was didn't going see any of the reception? The, well, Riley, you tell people your experience. Okay, so as you know, James, last week I called Paul Verhoeven irresponsible and incompetent mm-hmm. for uh, making a movie that was so heavily misunderstood at the time of release. And now, you know, 20 years later, the people who are interested in it 
understand it mostly. Uh, but it took that it took a while for people to be like, oh, it's a satire on fascism. You know, obviously some critics got it, but even a lot of critics at the time misunderstood it. Um, so that was my take last week. People were upset, James. You're misunderstood now. Well, well, my my favorite maybe. hit pick in relation to that. It's a comment in support of your point where someone commented. <laughs> This movie has nothing to do with fascism. Yet another garbage take from PJM. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one like, as okay. well. Yeah, I guess people, I was like, "You're proving my point." Yeah, bud. the person replied like, "Paul Verhoeven talks about it being a satire of fascism, though." And then guy, the OP replies, "Just because he says it is, does not make it so. Any fascistic elements are just a veneer, surface level at best. Just because people walk around in Nazi uniforms does not make it fascist." Yeah, this yeah. guy's one of the Proud Boys or something. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, uh, one two one Dan one two one said Riley's just upset that he didn't get it the first time he watched it, and I said twelve year old Riley was pissed. <laughs> but I, I was still stoked because there's titties. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Just fast forward right to the. I mean, scene. I don't want to go through all of this, but uh, like there were a bunch of people in the comments who uh, there was one guy in particular. I want to find it. Uh, that um, syndicate, I think his name was. I had a friend actually reach out to me personally, like DM'd me, who had listened to the episode and been like, this guy, like, comparing it to The Godfather and like, or saying that it was like a, it was like someone, like a dude who memorizes the feminist talking points. Like, what a left turn. Like, this Riley guy, man. Just, we have a very unique discussion. I like it. I like Wait, it. what do you mean? What? Well, I don't get it. He doesn't get you. <laughs> I did. I was called woke by somebody because I'm like, I'm too woke to realize that Dizzy was was cool oh, or yeah. something. I love when I get called woke. It's like armor you get to wear next time you're being. <laughs> yeah, well, but, exactly. they, but I was like, this doesn't even really make sense because I'm trying to say that like, I didn't understand what the woke accusation was there. Nobody ever does. <laughs> it's I, a mystery. Anyways, uh, uh, Synthicide. Synthicide. Uh, That's a good username. Her, the initial comment is like, Riley's moralistic rant about social responsibility of filmmakers to make sure the maximum amount of people understand his film was so bizarre. Agreed. I can tell it's something he feels strongly <laughs> about, but I don't know if he's really tested out his beliefs here. He's just so wrong. And I replied, what's wrong about it? Anyways, that led to a really long discussion. Uh, they they wrote like three very, very long comments. In a row? Offside. Yeah, yeah. And it was actually really interesting. I will say that, like, I, I really appreciate when people take the time to... Write a novel. Look not, at that. Look at that yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, they 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 uh, mentioned the encoding-decoding model of media cre- creation and consumption by Stuart Hall, which I had known about before, but I read about it, and I was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. They're basically saying that it's up to the audience to decode things. Like, mm-hmm. the all the creator can do is is create something and they're encoding it with their meaning and their frameworks and then the audience receives it and then they decode it with their frameworks and it's mm-hmm. not the creator's responsibility to make sure that the audience is properly equipped to to decode it or or to change their art so that it can be decoded by mm-hmm. people and i was just saying that like you know that's fair enough that's one model of looking at this but I think at the end of the day, it really just comes down to the fact that this is a mass-marketed, big-budget movie. And if your goal, the main thing is that if if the filmmaker's goal is to get a certain message across or to make people think about things in a certain way, uh, you know, to to start a conversation there, if that's their goal and people come away from it 
not getting the goal at all on mass, just thinking it's a dumb action movie. Critics misunderstand it. The masses under misunderstand it. What have you accomplished other than it's a failure? I don't right? really so, want to go to that side of the discussion, but I almost feel like you don't see movies worthy of academic study in the same way you would uh, like literature. Where like literature, I think you you would be able to intellectualize the idea of like are you talking you about me? Yeah, or? you you oh. personally like you don't need to get everything the first time like you can break it down by chapter and do these things but i feel like you don't really think that movies deserve that level of study no they definitely do i think i'm just differentiating between uh artsy movies movies primarily intended for that niche audience who is properly equipped to do that Mm -hmm. and movies primarily intended for the masses which are who are not and but it's I, just like, that's I just, think like, why do to say you need dumb. to categorize them? I think like, that's again, that's a you baggage that you're bringing in. Like movies aren't necessarily designed to be artsy or mass appeal. Like they're designed, the best movies in my opinion are just designed to tell a story and communicate an idea. Yes. And so why does it have to be in one or the other? Why can't it be a little bit of both? Well, like you just said, they're designed to communicate an idea. And if it doesn't communicate the idea, that's a but we, strike but against we've, it. We've argued against a, about that the fact that people miss the message is kind of helping to communicate the deeper message. Yeah, that's right, but, true. That's but true. it just it seemed like this movie the whole point was to communicate an idea. The whole point was to satirize fascism and to allow Americans or whoever people in the West to recognize fascistic elements in their own society, right? Yeah, the, but, the whole point was for you to be like to watch it and not get it and be like, "Wow, I'm a fascist. Yep. I'm susceptible to fascism. But you can't do that if you don't get it. Exactly. You it's, can't recognize that tough. you've been bamboozled if you don't know that you've been bamboozled. Well, you, but are we are we judging the the moral accomplishment of a movie based on the lowest common denominator or on like I'm I'm judging it based on question. most people who are going to watch these movies who are not people who have gone to film school and have the tools and it's, I'm not judging people right for not having these tools. I think that most like there's, there's lots of people in the working class in the non intelligentsia that are very, very intelligent in, in very, it's called the unintelligentsia in in lots of, (laughs) in lots of different ways and factors. I just think that, uh, expecting everyone to have the tools that you need to properly interpret something like this is like, Maybe I should have said... Can you please end the sentence? Because I really want to move on. It's it's wrong. I keep having no place to do it. Another person left a comment and I replied to them. I forget what it is, but he said, you shouldn't have said it's subtle. You shouldn't have said it's too subtle for people. You should have said it's obtuse because at the end of the day, as you said, David, the movie is kind of like weak at making any particular point. It like lampoons the idea of fascism, but, you know, it's it's lacking a, a, a cogent critique. So it's like, Obtuse is a good word, sure. and He's I right. said this to this guy. I was like, "Good, a good point." All right, if you guys want more of that, there's an hour of it on, on another <laughs> show that we did. I have a few fan services about our Galaxy Quest episode. They're they're brief. So I I criticize the movie when uh, Tim Allen goes to the bathroom and the people are like making fun of it in the bathroom. Mm. I was like, that's stupid. That wouldn't happen. Apparently, it's based on a real story that William Shatner yeah. had where he went to the bathroom and he heard people being like, this is so fucking stupid. Yeah, I saw that too. I was so, like, that's a little on the nose, yeah. but I guess. <laughs> yeah, especially since his last name is Shatner. <laughs> Jeez, that's very on that. the nose. Uh, and then apparently learning addicts was a thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Jamie told no, us. No, no, it's oh. not called learning addicts. Oh. It's learning annex. Oh. That's why I couldn't Google it. I see. And everybody knows what it is. Wait, you guys... <laughs> 
As soon as I walked off set, Jamie was like, you never heard of that? It was everywhere on TV. I and thought I knew it was Annex. I thought you guys were saying you hadn't heard of You thought they were saying addicts? Yes, that's yeah. That's, that's why so I couldn't funny. research it. Wow. Anyways, mm. how about some now playing? Time for the uh, now weekly talk about rings of power i didn't see the newest episode oh james sorry but what are you doing i didn't see i was i'm building the sauna heck yeah <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i was that's hot building but I didn't get, though i didn't get a chance to talk, watch anything i had friends all around me talking about this new jeffrey dahmer show Ugh, i want to see it. it sounds creepy I'm and so disturbing over eh. we've had this discussion i'm so over true crime content and it's just like i think it's morally reprehensible to create this content uh, especially when the victims' families are like, we don't want this. Yeah, and I think that that's not the pre- case in this. Yeah, they're no. like, we don't want this to exist. We don't want people to talk about it. We don't have to relive this. We don't want it. Certainly not like blasted around social media where they have to kind of relive and like pull up those memories. I think it's like really vile. I think yeah. it's vile that it exists, and I don't think it's like moral to consume it. Mm. Oh, that's a rather interesting take, and I think wow, that's... what a moralistic that's, rant, David. It's Shut my up. turn. <laughs> it's valid, but there's... I mean, that's like affecting tens of people, maybe, for the enjoyment of hundreds of thousands. So there's I, that kind of utilitarian I would, I would say that like, there's a place for two, true crime, but I think the world was better when it was a lot more niche. I, I can agree with that. I think that the fact that, like... Netflix has identified that people like to true crime and so they're just like churning out true crime documentaries about oh this killer and that killer and that rapist and blah 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 it's just kind of like I don't feel like it's super healthy for society to be obsessing well, over these like delinquent it's horrible so funny. messed we up people we used to be so concerned with young people or everyone struggling to differentiate fantasy from real life mm. and now I think the real danger is we can't differentiate real life from fantasy. Mm. Like people, I think they idolize these serial killers and these serial rapists because they don't connect that it's real. Oh, it's like real life. But you do. And that's what makes it so creepy. But then why idolize the Jeffrey Dahmers and the Ted Bundy's? Like there's so many people that, but I, I think those people are weird. Well, yeah. Like most people don't idolize them at all. They're like, "Ew, how could a monster like that exist? Yeah, That's yeah. so cr- scary it's that a, a machine could be so broken." I, in a lot of the cases, it's not idolization so much as it's just like dark fascination, where it's yeah. like a car wreck you can't look away. Uh, See, but I think I think that it's it's deeper than that. I think you're right. That's like would be the sort of healthy response to something like that. But I do think there's lots of people that are like that. I then start to identify as a sociopath because like they see the intelligence behind it and they want to like grab onto mm-hmm. the positive elements of it you know like they got away with it so long yeah i mean i think that is like a a small minority of people who get to that point but uh fair enough i think that even having that happening in society and having content like just being churned out that we're like some people just watch true crime and that's like their whole shtick you know i'm like (laughs) that's my personality well we should (laughs) i just feel like i just feel like it's 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 i don't think it's mentally healthy for society or for the individual Mm -hmm. to spend so long obsessing about this like i think it can really desensitize you to the fact that this is real people real pain this stuff actually exists in the world and it's horrible and so it's like when you hear about someone getting beheaded or someone like getting horribly horribly raped and mangled it's like well that's mm. That's just like that documentary I saw. Yeah. And I think there is good, true crime. Instead of being shocked. Yeah. And it's just not the stuff that like helps keep the legend of serial killers alive. Right. 
it's the stuff that explores like, hey, this kid was accused of this murder and they didn't do it. And like through 16 episodes of podcasts, like we're exploring all the different people who it could be. And sometimes they actually accomplish something that's positive in the world mm -hmm. or, you know, like there's so, so like the thing like serial making a murder. Or the, yeah. Like, you think you, those are more um, admirable or I think so. And I think like they're probably less interesting because it's not as like violent. They're pretty interesting. I, I love them. Uh, that's like the true crime I will choose to digest if I do. I don't love true crime in general, but the guy from the guy from Serial just got released. Hey, hey, cool. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, just add milk. Uh, it's something A. But that yes, yeah, season one of Serial was um, awesome. Um, um, Adnan Adnan Syed. Yeah, yeah. He just got released. Be, uh, he got exonerated. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. There you go. Yay. Spoilers. I like, Jeez. I like what? <laughs> That's not on the podcast. The podcast is about yeah. Like, that seen, podcast is like ten years old. Yeah, I've yeah. seen other ones too, where it's like uh, someone goes to a small town because there was like a murder that they're investigating, but then they kind of the story sidelines. It's about this guy who like will later kill himself or something. But it's like you get to know the person and how he lonely he was and all this stuff. But it just tells this fascinating story, which is a real story. But it's not just like just there's a t something tonal about these serial killer ones. That they're just, vulgar. They're vulgar, and they they really. To me, it feels like they're admiring something about these mm. killings. Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, I want to watch it. Let's touch. <laughs> let's touch briefly on Rings of Power, but no spoilers. No spoilers. Just no spoilers. how we're feeling about it at the moment. Episode five. It was good. I'm I'm excited to keep going on. I feel like it was a slightly less good episode. Mm. Um, there's stuff that happens that I'm glad they don't drag out some of the drama that they could have. Like a shittier show would have like dragged out some of the interspecies drama in a way that was frustrating. But. Um, I also think like people just kind of need to communicate a little bit better and it's that's kind of frustrating sometimes. The way I feel about this show is currently it's like it's like I was in a room and someone walked in and at first I was like, "Whoa, this guy has a weird vibe. I don't know how to feel about this. It's maybe a bit offensive. Maybe maybe he's bothering me a little bit." And then the longer that I sit in the room with them, it's like Oh, That's okay. just who he is. Yeah, you're maybe just kind of like a a weird guy or whatever, or maybe you're even uh, we can have some interesting <laughs> conversations or if my, something. If my hair really, was that long, I'd braid it too. Yeah, yeah, I don't really want to be friends with you, but I'm not weirded out by you being in the room anymore. Fair enough. That's how I feel about the show. Yeah, I'm gonna I, keep watching I it to see where it goes. Have a fully separated from Lord of the Rings in my head. It's just it's yeah, me too. Me too. I, I think that's point, the way to enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, not me. Um, I watched. Well, the, you haven't watched episode five. I watched oh, The good. Woman King this weekend. Oh, wow! I quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know too much going in. I thought it was a more political movie. It's not. It's like a a movie about like a woman tribal warriors or like the the woman warriors of an African tribe overcoming the other tribe that's selling people off to um slavers right uh, and it's a pretty clear good and bad pretty uh it's a very enjoyable very entertaining movie you know where it's like a young person joins the tribe viola davis is kind of the head of the the, the women warriors and it just hits all the right beats at the right moments it's very it very much has that braveheart historical accuracy feeling where you're like yeah, it kind of seems like something like this sort of happened. Right. Uh, but it's engaging emotionally and like you cheer at the right moments. And like at the end, there's like a like a dance, but like not like a dance number, but like they're all dancing because they're celebrating. You're like, yeah, fuck yeah, we did it. Oh, um, so it has a happy ending or does it? Maybe the bad guys, the slavers, they're but, dancing. <laughs> but it, it has I look when you look into it, it's like, oh, they just like sanitize the history a little bit. Like, you know, oh, this sure. tribe was like forced to stop selling slaves. 
Uh, and then as soon as like the British went away, they went back to selling slaves. Like they weren't the good guys who were trying to abolish slavery. Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. It's right. a movie about. Is it an characters. action movie? Sort or a of. Drama. That's probably one of my gripes is that it starts sort of as an action movie. There's like a big action fight scene uh, where they're fighting the evil people, and then it goes about an hour without another action scene, and then there's two at the end. And the action scenes are okay, but they're all zoomed in a little tight and like a little shaky, so you don't get to see the cool action. Mm. But it's it's good. It looks I, like it's being sold that way. Like from the trailer, when I watched the trailer, I, this is was my impression. That looks like someone who makes action movies was like, huh, how how can me, a dude, produce an action movie that will <laughs> get that on. will get created in 2022? <laughs> so, uh, b- yeah, I'm, that's completely wrong. The, yeah, it's, it's, the whole the writer, director, everything is all women. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's just the way they're selling it. It didn't it felt like a, a woman led movie. And I think like the the writing is strong. The character the cast looks are great. Strong, and it's it's like like I said, I got engaged emotionally. Mm. Uh, and I did not expect to like it. I was kind of forced to go right. watch it, and I was really happy that I did. And you said you you said already that it it is based on an historically like the uh, uh, all female warrior unit of That's the real. West African Kingdom of Dahomey. Yes, during the 17th to 19th centuries, and that was. That was the thing. I actually, yep. when the trailer came out, I was like, "Oh, what's this about?" And I like uh, looked it up on Wikipedia and yeah. whatnot, and, and it, it was actually a thing. I've, I've like, obviously they're playing up a lot of aspects of it, and that's for normal. an action movie. And yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like looking at the reviews, it has like ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. And when I first looked, it was at thirty percent audience approval. And you look at it, and it's always like so historical bullshit. It's all like it's so inaccurate. I'm like, so is every like based on a true story event like why are you zeroing in on this and yeah i feel like there's two fa- and there's always it's always gonna be a race thing and then a a, a woman thing For like sure. a, a misogyny thing and it sucks that that's always a watch factor. out so, watch out woke alarmists 6.2 on imdb yeah so if you look at it it's got like 35 ish percents are one star reviews and this is very interesting to me that the movie has an average uh 8.3 from women and 5.7 for men. <laughs> so that tells you on something. IMDb? On oh, IMDb? On IMDb. Wow, I didn't realize you could click on the rating and have it all broken up. By yeah. yeah, it's really so cool. Hey? I sent the, I Did I tweet this? I forget. I, I screenshotted Rings of Power when... Or somebody... I, I saw it on Reddit, and then I saw it to... I sent it to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was like, even the day before Rings of Power came out, no one had actually seen it, and they were already <laughs> brigading the reviews on yeah. IMDb, so that all of... They were like... All of the reviews were clustered on the ones and tens. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... It's always how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I also started the cyberpunk anime. Oh, wow. It's pretty fucking awesome. That's apparently, that's the truth, yeah. I'm enjoying it way more than Arcane. Really? Uh, yeah. I liked Arcane. We talked about it. I, 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 I liked Arcane, but this is like hooking me where I deeply care about a bunch of characters. The stuff that's happening is really interesting. I Damn. like the action a ton. Are, is it 30-minute episodes? Yeah. And Dang. it's... Uh, I haven't checked it out yet. Stylinist. Where do you watch it? On uh, Netflix. Cool. It's ten episodes. What's things. it called? Uh, Cyberdunk. Edge Runners, I think. Basketball Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Yeah. Um, and highly recommend if you it's, like a Western anime. Even like you, like right. Cyberpunk Edge. It's Lords. more of a Western a- anime. Well, it's made by like the Western studios, kind of the people that have been doing all the Netflix stuff, as far as I understand. But it's it's oh. super good. It's super fun. Uh, responsible for uh, a million people coming back to Cyberpunk. A million people it. every night. Yeah, it's huge. It's back. It's crazy. Um, it's, it's here. I think <laughs> like, it, when it first arrived, it was like the hype was just like it's broken. So yeah. I, uh, I did my my strategy. I executed on not watching Andor right away. 
Good. Waiting to see what people said about it because Star Wars shows have shit the bed recently. Is it live action? Yep. Yes. And I heard that it was good. So I watched it. It's the best one they've done. I haven't even heard it about might this. As well, it might actually be a good show that just happens to be a Star Wars it's show. It's Endor? Andor, Andor, that's the character from uh, Rogue One. They could have thought. Oh, I thought this was like a programming thing. They could have thought <laughs> for a little bit more about how to give him a name that isn't con- going like to be confused joke. with Endor. What'd you say? And or like a. I'll listen like to it. I'll listen to it when I upload. Operators, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Rogue yeah, One people, huh? It's, yeah, it's a Tony Gilroy. Is so it the actors from the Rogue One movie? Like those characters? Well, so it's a prequel to Rogue One because that's a prequel to a prequel. Yeah. Playing a guy, playing another dude. It's a prequel to Rogue One. Tony Gilroy, I think is, uh, I mean, he did like three of the episodes or something, but it's like his baby. He's the showrunner. And yeah, it's really good. I mean, like the the writing is good. The acting is good. The cinematography is interesting. The- uh, What what is it about? Like what happens by the end? It's about the early Empire and uh, the, the Rebels- and so, like, Andor it starts out as just somebody kind of trying to survive and, like, live his life, and then he gets uh, recruited. It's like, who created the Rebels kind of thing? How do the Rebels start? How many Rebel yeah. origin stories have we gotten? I feel like we had, like, a whole series called the Rebels. Well, I don't know if there's a Rebel, Rebel origin story, but this one is going to be interesting because Mon Mothma is in it. There's, uh, they're, they're bringing back that guy who was in Rogue One. I guess, uh, Diego Lawrence Whit- uh, Lawrence oh. Whitaker? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, the yeah. villain? No. He, he, oh, he helped oh, out. Uh, uh, I forget his name. I knew his Forrest, name. Forrest. Forrest Whitaker. But I also forget the character's name. Um, anyways, it's really good. And I'm, I'm very, I'm I'm so pleasantly surprised. Forrest Fishborn? <laughs> Forrest? All right. We got to wrap this up, guys. Oh, She-Hulk goes on. Uh, I, yeah, I, I haven't watched it. It goes I on. It. I okay. watch, it's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. Riley's just cut neutered. Just <laughs> no, cut no, him no, off. No, 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 no. I realize we, we go, I need to write tackling. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you can tweet at us, y'all, at TJM Pod. You can comment against Riley on, the, on YouTube. <laughs> you can nice. email us, hello at theirjustmovies.com. I doubt that I'm going to get many people attacking me over my positions on Primer. Or no, you just leave us alone. Yeah, yeah it's week. your week, David. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll carry the burden. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Next later. week. Uh, we don't know. Look yeah, in the, don't look know. the description. Check it out. Bye. No, David, though. Love you. Bye.